You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State Buckeyes podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Matt Hayes alone today. Brandon Beams at the house being a bum, playing some video game all day long. So he decided to take a day off. I know he's going to Louisville. I'm kidding. But he did say that he was going to be playing Red Dead Redemption all day long. I have no idea uh, what that game is, but I hope he's having fun. And we're going to have some fun today because my guy, Matt Andrews, has a phenomenal name. If you don't know, you need to know this guy. He's on the sideline for Ohio State football games. He does it all here at the fan. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. It's good to be on your show, man. I appreciate it. I'm actually in Louisville as well. Oh, God, you guys just left me behind. On the bye week, so we're going to, Beamer and I might meet up later, and uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll raise one to you. All right, cool. You guys should definitely (laughs) do that. Before we dive into all this football stuff, I mean, you do so much stuff around here. For the folks that don't know uh, what you do outside of, you know, roaming the sidelines and being brave when the weather gets cold and all that stuff for the football team, what else do you do around here, man? Well, I guess it it all kind of starts before the sun comes up, morning shift stuff, um, or uh, the fan, obviously, and then obviously the ONN, Ohio News Network, and the sports for for that uh, that morning shift, and uh, the women's basketball play-by-play at Ohio State, and then the baseball as well. And uh, for those that don't know, my background is mostly in baseball, radio play-by-play. I was in Louisville for 13 years as a radio voice for the Reds AAA affiliate. So I'm a diehard Reds fan, Bengals fan, and uh, obviously – I graduated the Ohio State University back in the title year vote, too. Yes, so this is my guy. Go follow him on Twitter, at MattyAOSU. Go do that right now. So, all right, let's get this thing going because it is the bye week, and it's been a bit of a slow week. Earlier in the week, we had some rumblings about the coaches and all that stuff. I'll get your take on that uh, a little later on, Matty. But I want to get here from you. You're down there on the field. You're around this team all the time. What you've seen defensively on a scale of 1 to 10 right now, how concerned are you for this team moving forward? Probably a seven. Yeah. Um, I'm not panicking. I I know they're not panicking, and they certainly this week have said all the right things. Coach Chiano, uh, uh, tough board on a Buckeye roundtable will be my guest. We had to interview him this week, but that'll air Monday on the network. So uh, I had three minutes with him. It was was really good. He he doesn't seem to be panicked. Man, you know, I, I go back to this defense and, and what we thought for sure was going to be the strong point of this team, and certainly with Nick Bosa on the defensive line, and, and it was there. Remember what they did the first three games, Matty? They knocked out two quarterbacks. The third one has never played right since. Right. Uh, you got the most disruptive pair of ends probably in, in a long, long time here, maybe ever, and Young and, and Bosa. And now, unfortunately, with Nick's injury, Chase has not quite as been as dominant as we might have thought. They've had some injuries up front. I still think the D-line is very good. Yeah. I think this defense can be good, but they got to show it. I mean, we're in a November now when this team takes the field again. They're eager to do that, I know. Maybe we've taken for granted the ability of this program to just automatically replace defensive backs, uh, the guys that go to the league every year. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know if that's cut, catching up to them. I still think their DBs are playing all right, you know, some interference penalties. But they got to get they got to get things shored up in the middle of that defense for sure, and they know it. And uh, and I and I think this is a great time for the bye week. People are like, is it a good or a bad time? I think for the, for this defense to just hit pause for a little bit here and, and have a few days, it'll be good. Come next week, yeah, man. I think but you, you know, hey, Nebraska's going to come in here. They're going to be ready to put some points on 
the board. Exactly. And they've done that under Scott Frost. Yeah, no, I, and I wanted to bring that up next because I, I think when you look at what happened with Purdue, I think a lot of us were aware of what Rondell Moore uh, was, and obviously that came to fruition with his performance. He was absolutely phenomenal against the Buckeyes. I don't think that surprised anyone when you talk about uh, that being a strength for them, being the passing game in the Ohio State defense. The passing yeah, defense for them has been such a weakness. To me, that didn't shock me. I didn't think it would get that carried away right away, and obviously Knox had a great day on the ground. But, yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Because I think the narrative surrounding Nebraska is going to be, this is a team that's won one game. they got a true freshman quarterback. They've got a new head coach there. And we've been hearing rumblings about how some of the older guys there uh, from the the older regime aren't really buying into what Scott Frost is doing. But you nailed it, man. I mean, this is an offense that last week seemed to have found themselves. And I know Adrian Martinez was a little banged up. So they definitely should be on notice next week, shouldn't they? Yeah, and, and Bethune-Cookman this week, and if they, if they don't, Put forty or fifty up on them, then maybe we're overestimating right. the offense. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I think um, you know. I, did I think Ohio State would lose at Purdue? No. Did I think the defense would play as they played? No. But do I think that that this team has the ability to go out there and silence Nebraska? Yeah. Now that all being said, I didn't imagine last week happening. Sure. So yeah, it's gonna. I mean, hey, it's gonna be a challenge. Now, uh, and then kind of looking ahead, Michigan State offensively, they don't they don't overly concern me. I think Michigan is peaking clearly right now, um, but but this they got to go out and prove it next week against Nebraska, regardless of if Nebraska has one or two law. I'm sorry, one or two wins, and uh, and and make themselves better. You know, the standard now I think is to continue to get better every week and yep. make it better as as you crescendo towards the end. When you look at this defense, and look, I, there was an article put out yesterday with uh, from ESPN. Adam Rittenberg did a great job getting some, you know, some some real good quotes from some Power Five head coaches, some other just assistants, coordinators around, uh, you know, the college football landscape, Matt. And they the quotes were kind of eye opening to me when you talk about some of these guys. Just think the four or five stars recruiting tag is not who these players are. Another coach thought, you know, that Shiano is over scheming things. For me, I understand that they have run this man. Uh, defense for a very long time. Kerry Combs had those cornerbacks humming for a while. He's obviously in Tennessee right now doing his thing there. But do you think they should try to just simplify things moving forward? Because clearly what they've been doing hasn't been working to the level that it has in previous years. And obviously when you got guys that are playing on Sundays now, you're going to take a step back. And I think you mentioned it off the top that I think a lot of Buckeye fans just expected this thing to continue to roll. And sometimes that doesn't happen. But do you think moving forward that they should maybe take a step back, maybe go back to a little bit of square one defenses and just try to keep things in front of them to kit, uh, to quit giving up the big plays? No, I, I agree with you. I think that's absolutely right. Uh, we heard Coach Shiano talking about, uh, you know, how, how close he thinks they are, as, as I've said. But what was the number? 20, 21 missed tackles sure. from last week. Uh, I feel like I watched the Bengals last week. I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, guys just going out there trying to knock people off their pens. you yeah. got to tackle. And, yeah. and, and, and ultimately, that's the name of the game. Look, Greg Shiano knows what he's doing, and and whether you like him as an NFL coach or, or not, or whether the Rutgers coach, but this guy defensively has a good scheme. Maybe they'll try to simplify it. Uh, you know, he, I don't know if people see it on the sideline when we walk by the, the bench when the defense is off the field. Greg will come over, and he's got two or three uh, assistants or, or, or GAs around him or, or quality control guys. And they're constantly working on pictures or, or things that they have, have called right. that maybe in the previous series that didn't work. And there's always somebody surrounding that area. And, and he's in-game making adjustments as they go. And, 
you know, I, I don't know. I think every Buckeye fan should have confidence that this guy is going to be able to figure out what they need to do. And clearly, as the coordinators were home on Monday from recruiting, that's probably what most of the first couple of days of this early week were in terms of, of seeing what they could do, what they could do differently, how they could make it easier. And, and maybe how they change things up. But I think it's all in play, absolutely, going into next week. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, before, and we'll come back and get Maddie's uh, take on the offense and how uh, he's perceived them this season. But uh, before we uh, do that, I want to let you know about Vivid Seats. You guys know that. You guys need any tickets, any you know concerts, theater events, anything that you want, you guys should go to Vivid Seats. Use our Locked On promo code to help out uh, and definitely get you where you need to go. We'll take a quick break here, come back, and we'll get his take on the offense. You are Locked On Buckeyes. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. All right, Matt, so it's been a very, to me, pretty consistent offensive output all year long. We've come across some a couple bumps in the road here uh, recently with the running game. Now, I know that's very concerning, but before we get to that, just you've seen some court. You saw obviously up close and personal with JT last year. The transition to Dwayne Haskins has really um, brought on a whole new look of an offense this year. But what you've seen from him so far, just how impressed have you been with number seven? Blown away. I mean, I, look, we saw him go to Ann Arbor last year, step in and, and largely help that team get the win. This guy is so freaking calm, cool, yeah. just smart, it appears to know exactly where the blitzes are coming from, how to get in and get out of plays, how to change them up, how to go quick, how to check the sideline, where the guys need to be lined up. I, now, I think he's got a great cast around him in terms of receivers. Uh, the, these guys have, have, have easily been the, the, the best group, I think, of the, of the uh, seven strong uh, mm-hmm. of that grouping. Um, but but, but this, this the accuracy, the, we saw it in that Oregon State game. The way he was arching a pass or zipping a pass or looping a, a pass, and then the screen game and, and the way that that kind of came upon, I, I've been I've been blown away by him. The other thing you need to know about him, and we get I give we don't give enough credit. We every game Dwayne Haskins is ready to face the media. Now they've had that loss and mm-hmm. he did it thereafter, but man, this guy has has come up and he's been a leader. He's been a he's been a guy to speak for his group. And I think it's great. I, I hate the fact that I think we're only going to see him one year here. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I think we need to enjoy the next four games. Hey, is he the guy that can take this team to four more wins to get them to Indianapolis? He might be. Yeah. That being said, as you address in the team, there's, there's a few issues running the ball right now. And, yeah. and I don't know. As, as good as this team was the first three or four weeks, uh, up front, I, it seems like the running blocking has, has just kind of been a little bit of a mystery. I agree. And look, you and I both know that every single season, every team takes on an identity, and it's going to be different every year. And look, we knew with JT last year that you were going to get a lot of the RP sto- RPO stuff, and JT, uh, that was his strength. I mean, the passing game, it was very up and down with JT. It's well document- we- documented. We all know that. But I think with Dwayne, when you look at what he is, and you mentioned it right there, talking about the zone six group, the wide receivers, that's the strength of the team this year. That's who you are. And I know Urban's upset about that because he's always thrown it out there, Matt, that he wants the 250-250 split. And sometimes it just can't be that way. And now you've got an issue, like you just mentioned as well, with the offensive line not winning the battle down in the mosh pit, and they're just getting moved around uh, in the wrong direction. And that wasn't the case at the start of the year because you're down there. You know those guys were throwing people out of the club. J.K. was playing really well. Mike Weber, I know he's been banged up and nicked up, but he's been pretty consistent in my eyes. 
But now you've got a big issue. And we know that, Maddie, when the weather starts to turn here, that you yeah. got to be able to run the rock. And if these guys can't figure it out and we get a game like Purdue to where the passing game or the first half of Penn State to where the passing game isn't there, you're not going to be able to throw it 73 times when it's raining sideways and sleet and snow in, in, uh, in the next couple weeks, man. And so they got to get this figured out, right? No doubt. I mean, now it's the, you know, you throw for 450 and run for 150 or whatever. I mean, right. they can't, and, and it caught up to them. They, they couldn't keep doing that now, as Coach Meyer said, and he's right. They had to throw it the fourth quarter every play. So that inflates the number a little bit. Still, the fact is 73 is too much. Yeah. Um, they, they're going to they're gonna have to run the ball. You know they're going to go to East Lansing, and it's probably going to be windy and snowy, and it's, it's going to be tough conditions. And then, and then you're going to Maryland, and you're out on the, on the northeast side of, uh, of of the country, and it's gonna you're gonna get weather. It's sure. gonna be happening in November, and and I do think they're gonna be able to run the ball. I just don't know if they're gonna. Are we gonna see a Tate Martell package? I'm wow. interested to see that. You know, I've not been to practice for, uh, all week, or we'll, we'll be there next week. So I'm strict guess by me, yeah. but I'm guessing that there's something that changes within the red zone in terms of personnel or packages or where they're going about their business uh you know they tried to go tempo in the red zone at purdue even that didn't work but but i i mean i don't know do you stick both running backs in the backfield and perhaps stick in Tate martell then who do you stop who do you who do you, you, you know you cover so many people sure uh i i think again much like the defense it's back at the drawing board for ryan day kevin wilson and urban meyer and uh i, I anticipate they'll get these problems fixed but Let's remember this team's seven and one mm-hmm. again. They, they they've been almost superior offensively all year. They showed some signs there against Indiana and Minnesota of something maybe being up in terms of short yardage, but and then uh, at, at Purdue it uh, it just it crushed them and their inability to get a running game going consistently cost them one, and their goal, obviously, right now is to not let it cost them again. I'm really fascinated by the Tate Martell thing because of how bad the red zone issues have been. And when you talk about, look, we see this from Penn State. We've seen it from Penn State the last couple years where McSorley and Stevens come come out there, and Stevens is a playmaker. Look at the NFL right now. Lamar Jackson is doing things like that. So And we, we saw how elusive Tate Martell was in the spring game. We know that that's his strength, and if Tate Martell was the full-time quarterback for the Buckeyes, I feel safe in saying the offense would look a lot similar to the JT era and Braxton era than it would with Troy and Dwayne Haskins because right now I don't think that's his strength. But no, if you have a glaring weakness and you're not if you're not scoring six down there in the red zone more times than not, you have to put your pride to the side, whether it's Dwayne, whether it's Day, whether it's coaching staff, and you gotta find a way to get into the paint because if you don't in the Michigan State game, in this Michigan game coming up where points are going to be at a premium, you got to have it at those moments. So, no, I think that's a really fascinating thing that you brought up there, and I think some fans are starting to warm up to that for sure. Well, but and again, at the same time, I'm of the, of the mindset that, hey, this is Buckeye football. Maybe even throw a 2-3 tight end look, and if, you know what? We can't move them off the line and generate yardage in that red zone right. by our running game with our personnel. You know what? Maybe you're maybe you're not as good as you thought you might be going into the year. Maybe maybe the expectations uh, aren't what you expected in, in terms of, of wins and and just being that the team that's going to punish somebody up front. So it's it's uh, it's fascinating. It, it really has been. It's almost been like you know we're, we're through like this the second third of the season. The back third's coming up, and the front third was unbelievable. And and this team got that win at team which now doesn't look as good. Right. The middle third was kind of a struggle, and now you're kind of like, well, now what? You know, what, what, where, where do you go from here? Look, I don't think this thing's broke. I just think that there's got to be some way 
of ultimately continuing to approve upon what you're trying to do when you get in the red zone. But look at their red zone appearances against Purdue. What, what I think of the four that I remember initially, the first four to the red zone, mm-hmm. there was a pass to the end zone in every situation that was either a little off, broken up, or not caught. Yeah. You know, and, and, and as, as you talk about, Maddie, once we get into this weather turn, which it has, uh, it's it's going to be a lot more difficult to continue to be consistent in that passing game inside the 20. No doubt. A couple more things before I let you go here. Just yeah. the Austin Mack effect that looks like Benjamin Victor is going to get the start at the X receiver. Just the impact that you think that's going to have on this offense. I think it's going to be big. I yeah. mean, this is the possession receiver. Luckily, you've got a Hill and McLaurin perhaps that can fill in. You mentioned Victor probably starts in that spot. I think it's a big loss. I hope that uh, he can get healthy to where if Ohio State's in a situation, the bowl game, that he's He's good to, to go in there. Uh, I saw him, you know, when it happened at Purdue, we saw him come over to the table, and he was visibly upset, and they were looking at his foot. And, um, and then, you, you know, that, that, that Purdue setup's unique because you walk up the little incline to that southwest corner of their stadium to go get the players and the autograph or the, uh, the players and the, uh, the audio for, for post game, and there's Austin Mack sitting outside just watching from the hill listening to the PA and the stands, and, and he was clearly disappointed, sure. obviously, in, sure. in a boot, but uh, yeah, I think it's a big loss for them right now. Yeah, no doubt about it, especially when you talk about, Matt, the camaraderie that he and Haskins have, those guys being roommates. I mean, you know how that works with quarterbacks. They got a guy on third down that they trust. They're going to go to him more times than not, but I think the big thing um, that Buckeye fans should rely on now is the veteran guys, right? You mentioned Terry and Johnny yeah. and Paris. Those guys have been around for a long time in Heartline. I thought uh, done a heck of a job. All right, last thing I want to bring up to you before we get out of here, before we let you get out of here and have some fun Louisville. Um, I, I don't know if you saw this collegefootballtalk.com article about the odds already out about whether Urban will be the head coach here at Ohio State 2019. I'll get your take on that, but I, I think the interesting part, uh, Matt, is who was sec- the second favorite uh, in line to become the head coach if Urban does step away, whether it be health reasons, whatever the case is, but it was Matt Campbell from Iowa State. I don't know if you've seen this, but he was ahead of Ryan Day, and even Bob Stoops was ahead of Ryan Day on this list. Um, how in- how Wild would that be in your mind if Matt Campbell, for some reason, I think Urban will be back, but if Matt Campbell, um, if he lapped those guys, uh, mainly Ryan Day. Who was the first favorite? It was it, it was Campbell. It, so or? so Urban is he's got really strong favorites to return, and then it goes got to it, and then it. it goes to Matt then Campbell, Campbell, and he's at plus yeah. one seventy five, seven to four odds. <laughs> it's funny you say this. I was at a luncheon down here today in Louisville. And I had somebody say to me, hey, if Urban doesn't come back, do you think that Jeff Prom would take that job? Oh, like, God. I thought he was – no, I'm like, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and, you know, I thought Jeff Prom was going to be the next head coach here in Louisville. But, uh, no, so, no, I'm with you, Matty. I think he'll be back. I think, you know, it's – hey, come on. As a human being, I want you to look at what's going on the last three months in Urban's life, you know, and in the way that this program has had a tough August. Sure. Urban had a tough August. The suspension, I'm sure, was tough for him. Uh, there's no doubt about it that this has been a trying few months. Now, this team continues to to, to they're seven, what seven and one. Mm-hmm. They got they've got November ahead of them. I got to think he's back. But yeah, I'm shocked to hear Matt Campbell. I would, you know, the whole Ryan Day report a few weeks ago was a little bit odd. Yeah. Um, I, I got to think though that the way he handled the first three weeks is going to be a huge, uh, hugely in his favor wherever it is he 
is next year. No and doubt. I would think somewhere would be a head coach, wherever that might be. I think it's fair to say that Matt Campbell and Ryan Day will not be at Iowa State and Ohio State very long. I just think both these guys, we, we heard the buzz around Ryan Day's name uh, last offseason, even with the Titans. Vrabel uh, wanted him to come join his staff, and understandably so, man. This guy, we saw what he can do. He's a very creative offensive mind. Uh, those guys will be head coaches very soon. All right, my guy Matt Andrews, thanks for hopping on, man. Look, and if go follow him on Twitter again, at Mattie OSU, OSU football sideline reporter, voice of the women's basketball team here in Columbus for Ohio State, voice of the Buckeye baseball team, morning updates. He does it all, man. Thanks so much for hopping on, and uh, you and Beam have some fun down there in Louisville with, for me. All right, man? Yeah, always a pleasure, Matty. All right, have brother. I'll see you next man. week. Thanks so all much, right. man. Matt Andrews, our guy, my guy, right here at the fan. We'll take a quick break here. I'll come back, and uh, we'll pick some games for this week. This is Locked on Buckeyes, your team every day. All right, let's get into these games because Beam's not here, so I got to do this by myself today. I think I'm going to start in the Big Ten, okay? I- I'm going to roll with the noon game here. Looks like this game's going to be on ESPN. I've got Purdue at Michigan State. Now, look, I think the Ohio State hangover is a very real thing. We've seen a lot of teams this year after they get done playing for Ohio State, getting up for Ohio State, uh, having a letdown in the following week. We know how explosive this offense is. They're going to East Lansing. The weather could be tricky up there. It is that time of the year. You heard Matt talking about the wind and all that stuff. It, it gets real, and that's up there on that grass. So that that could get very tricky. Part of me really likes Purdue in this game just because of how creative they are offensively. But I think now with Michigan State getting LJ Scott back, him getting um, his legs under him uh, from coming back off of injury, I will roll with the Sparties. Uh, Michigan State at home tomorrow. Again, that game is at noon. All right, let's go down to number nine, Florida, versus number seven, Georgia. That game's at 3.30 on CBS. Look, Georgia got punched in the mouth by LSU. That was an impressive win by them. Florida, it's been really impressive uh, what's been going on down there with Florida. I just think, man, they are really starting to turn things around here. But Georgia and Kirby Smart, man, they it's hard for me to go away from that run game, what they've got Jake Fromm. I know he's been a little up and down. But I really believe that Georgia will figure this thing out tomorrow against a Florida team in the last couple years that's had a trouble uh, with an offensive identity. I will roll with the dogs at home. Another game at 330, excuse me, number 18, Iowa at number 17, Penn State. Um, Look, I think this is going to be an interesting game for Penn State. Penn State went into Indiana last week, and it was an absolute dogfight. I think the thing that was concerning for me and should be concerning for Penn State fans is the lack of a run game that we saw last week. I mean, Trace McSorley was the leading rusher in that game. So now you're talking about going up against an Iowa team who's hungry, who sees that they have a real chance to win the West, and they can stuff the run like a almost better than anybody in the country. They're right up there uh, in rush defense. Man, this, this one is tough for me because I love Noah Fant. I think Stanley is emerging into a really good quarterback for them. I think I'm going to roll with Iowa in this on the road. So I'm going to take the Hawkeyes on the road um, going up against the Nittany Lions. I just didn't like what I saw last week uh, from Penn State with their running game. Uh, so, I, And then here's another game that I'm really intrigued by here. I think number six, Texas at Oklahoma. This is going to be your 8 o'clock ABC game. Um, look, Texas has got something going here. And I think a lot of people need to start taking notice to what Tom Herman is doing. I mean, these guys have a real shot to get into the college football playoff if they handle their business the rest of the way. Now, I know the the Maryland loss may cripple them. We saw how this affected Ohio State last year with the Iowa loss, and it may be the same case this year with the Purdue, Purdue loss. I know some members on the committee 
when you think about a national championship caliber team, you shouldn't be losing to Maryland. You shouldn't be losing to Iowa and Purdue in that fashion. But here's the thing, man. Texas has turned this thing around. They got a win at number 22 USC. I know they are not great right now, but at the time, they may get the, give them the love for that. They did beat um, TCU 31-16, and we know the Buckeyes had a dogfight with them. The big one that's in their corner is going to be the dub that they have against number 7 Oklahoma 48-45. to That was a heck of a game. The thing that they should be encouraged by is that they still got a, not a lot of meat, but there's some meat left on the bone with this West Virginia win. So if they can win uh, against West Virginia on November 3rd, that game is at home time to be determined. I think that's really going to work in their favor. Also, they do. If they do beat West Virginia and then on November 17th, they beat Iowa State. I think Texas for sure is going to be in the conversation, but they got to take care of business this week in prime time. Um, I'm going to roll with Texas. I think Tom Herman is a, is, a, is a really good coach. He's starting to get the recruits he wants, and those guys are buying in. I will roll with the Longhorns this week in prime time. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, Beam will be back on Monday. We'll be back. We'll start to dive into more some some more OSU stuff. Urban will have his annual presser, all that stuff. You know guys, you know how we do, guys. We'll play a ton of sound for you. Everybody have a great week. Thanks so much for listening to the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. Uh, we'll talk to you Monday.